And welcome to That Horror Cast. I'm Mallory Smart. And I'm Dmitry Samarov. On today's episode, we'll be discussing Alejandro Jodorowsky's 1989 horror film, Santa Sangre. It's a surreal story about a traumatized man named Phoenix, who, with the help of his mother, embarks on a killing spree. The movie explores themes of family, trauma, and the blurred lines between reality and fantasy. I hope you enjoy the show. Can you hear me? Yeah. Awesome. Very cool. Success. We're, we're fucking professionals here. We are. We are the most professional people ever. I mean, I would say that, we are just as professional compared to the circus freaks, right? <laughs> they are. They've dedicated their life to it. I mean, the grease paint and the trampolines and the rest of it. I, I won't lie, from the very beginning, I just had that, like, this is a mood. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah, it's uh, the, the whole, you know, the metaphor of the circus's life starts from the beginning. There's not even any introduction. You're just in there, <laughs> you know? Oh, I, I, I definitely, <laughs> it was like a full on, this is how you know that this is like an Alejandro film. It's just like he just threw us in. <laughs> Like, yeah, no even, training, yeah. no floaties, just throw them in the deep end. Have fun. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. Hodorowsky is not big on sort of tradi- traditional exposition or any of that. The hand-holding you get in mo- most mainstream films, you know. I mean, it would be hard to do hand-holding for some of these characters. Yeah, can you imagine, like, Santa Sangre, but with, like, a, a narration, like, this was my childhood. <laughs> there, in a time, like... <laughs> I got so into this movie. Um, okay, one, I had no idea how popular this movie was. I posted on Twitter that well, I was going to do it. Just massive likes, and I was like, okay, I suck Who, who are the like... You mean, the like, the like the Not even the that horror cast stuff like all the like lit people in the world i was just like what okay and then everybody told me that there is a documentary about the making of this and oh i that's on tv i've seen the one about oh really i yeah i guess i haven't seen that i've seen the one about dune is great about his failed attempt to make dune have you seen that oh i think anyone who's into dune has seen that yeah i'm Um, not into dune i'm into into Imagining what Hardarovsky's tune would have been like. <laughs> either way, I mean, him or David Lynch, either one, it was going to be weird. We only got the one that's kind of similar to the book now. Oh, yeah, the new, the uh, Denis Villeneuve or whatever his name I don't even that know. Guy. Yeah, the French Canadian guy. No, I had to look it up. Uh, I didn't realize that. Um, he stacked a lot of his family in this cast. 
they're in all his movies. Like all his seventeen children are <laughs> are always in his movies. See, I never much. noticed that until I was watching the documentary, and his one kid who is the most Americanized dude ever was like talking about it. And I was just like, damn, your father's hardcore. Well, they, they also, they appear in his later two films. Yeah. He took a, there was a long gap after, after Santa Sangre where he wasn't making movies at all for various reasons. But yeah, his last two are even sort of more autobiographical than his previous stuff. And they all have his kids, and and he appears in them. He appears in a lot of them. I don't know if he shows up in this one at all. I don't think he no. does. They're always, I mean, they're always stand-ins for him. You know, like, they're all, I think all, all his movies pretty much, or most of them are autobiographical one way or the other, you know? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I don't know. How would you describe the mood of this film? <laughs> <laughs> Because, like, at uh, first, like, when I was, like, looking at it, I was like, dude, Dimitri picked another carny kind of film. Stop with the freaks, Dimitri. Well, it was, I mean, the reason I, I recalled it was because of freaks, because this is very obviously sort of like the, the grand, great-grandchild of freaks, you know? I, I, I definitely was. I was like, Almost I see like the inspiration. Directly lineage, yeah. Only in this one, you know, the freaks don't win the day. No, no, but there. There's I mean, no the lesson. attitude. Yeah, the the attitude towards the freaks is similar. There's this. I mean, it, it's it's sort of from their point of view and their. Well, I mean, the similarity is that uh, you know the uh, Phoenix, the the main character, becomes a serial killer, but he's much more sympathetic than the people he kills. You know, for the most part. You know? Oh yeah, definitely. It's his point. It's a. It, it's. I mean, it becomes a, a serial killer movie, sort of. I mean. I mean, a lot in a lot of ways. Uh, I was reading that. Okay, officially, it's being described as an avant-garde surreal horror film, which you know makes sense. But I kind of got a lot of body horror there. Sure. Well, yeah. The the armless woman. It cut. It starts with his mother like having a church which worships a saint whose arms were cut off and there's a pool of blood that they dip into to be purified and then she becomes that saint yeah because her her pig of a husband is cheating on her and then she discovers them it's life yeah, imitating religion yeah yeah she 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 becomes what she was what she was worshiping Although the thing about that is that, uh, I mean, there's always, it's never clear whether she's actually alive. I don't think she's alive. Hmm. For, I think, I think those are all hallucinations. Yeah. I do get vibes at some point, but yeah. I mean, that's the, that's sort of what's heavily implied at the end. Yeah. When his like, you know, long lost love rescues him, but, uh, and kind of inspires him to kill his mother but the mother is inside of him. And what we see is, in various scenes, it's it's a mannequin and then it's a ventriloquist dummy. But there's also that one scene where, where he, where it's another uh, version of their, you know, their theater performance. But she's a, like a ventriloquist dummy in that one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, when, also, yeah, when the girl 
the deaf mute girl shows up at their house. She discovers, you know, this shape in a bed and sees that it's not real, that it's not a living being. So at that point, we get a little bit of a dab of psycho at moments, too. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the the thing with the, the mother. Plus, I mean, the movie starts with with Phoenix in a in an insane asylum, like living like a bird on a tree <laughs> or some kind of wild animal. That's why I was saying, like, it, it was a total mood from the outside. I was watching, I was just like, all right, and here we go. What I was going to ask you as, as someone that, that that's uh, you know sees a therapist is are, are your are your therapy sessions kind of like his? <laughs> <laughs> you know, <laughs> is that I have therapy. Is that what right you guys talk now, about? So you know what? Yeah, yeah. We're gonna talk yeah, about you can this do... movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, can, you 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 could tell her that you, you saw a movie that that uh, you know flamboyantly illustrates your your therapy sessions <laughs> the most accurately you've ever seen on screen. <laughs> I would have to say, I don't know, maybe we all have bits of these characters. Honestly, it would be terrifying if people actually were like these characters. I guess that's what makes it a horror movie. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that and all the killing. (laughs) Yeah, that too. That too. You know, I was actually reading up a lot as to like what really defines a horror movie and everything. And the terror is like the anticipation and everything. And the horror is the disgust and everything you feel afterwards. And I don't think I felt true terror throughout that. I feel like I was just like in horror the entire time. Yeah. Well, it's yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't know exactly how to describe the, the, the. I don't know. Hodorowski's whole thing exactly, but it's it's a mix of like the car this carny life, and a kind of. Yeah. Uh, yeah, like a theat- like a heightened theatrical kind of. For like sort of like a commedia dell'arte where everybody has masks and like emotions are really really heightened for for each performer but but the subject matter like he sets it in a quasi realistic kind of venue you know like they're usually like on a street or something mm-hmm. they're not in a completely it, this is not like lord of the rings or something you know what i mean it's okay. not an imaginary world. It's just a bunch of people that are living a heightened theatrical life of like of their own making um, within a realistic context. He was heavily interviewed in the documentary, and that was very purposeful. He actually was saying that at one point, I don't remember where he said that he met him, but he met an actual serial killer, and I, which I have to say that is very fun, bizarre anecdote to let everyone know but he like had a very long conversation because the guy was so nice and he wanted to know like what makes a regular person a serial killer and everything and he wanted to explore how someone can be so deranged in a world like that and he was actually trying to make it more that the world is deranged more than the people right yeah uh hmm. I know, I but recommend I mean, watching that documentary. 
Yeah, I'll I'll, I'll check it out. Uh, I mean, the thing I will I will say though, with like filmmakers or artists of any kind, when they sit down and explain things, is you got to take it all with a bucket of salt. I, bet, I like I how bet. you say bucket, not a grain. Oh yeah, bucket. Uh, I I think uh, Hodorowski, uh, you know, I mean, he's a great great self-mythologizer, and I don't know that I would take everything he says at face value. That's why I like David Lynch a little bit when everyone's like, can you elaborate on that? And he's like, no. Yeah. You got to appreciate that. I mean, these people, yeah, these people, you know, I mean, and they throw around this term like visionary filmmaker or visionary artist very cheaply in these days, but Hodorowsky definitely fits that bill. (laughs) Oh, definitely. yeah, he's he's create, creating a, a kind of like like waking nightmare world <laughs> in which he lives and he puts us into for a couple of hours. Um, and I mean, this is this may be his most straight ahead movie, really, of the major ones. Yeah, I would say compared to like El Topo, which I don't know, felt like a total acid trip. Yeah. I mean, wow, I'm noticing he's actually 94 and still alive. Good for him. Yeah, yeah. Holy shit. Yeah, yeah, he's still going. He's, I mean, he, yeah, he's, for years, has been allegedly trying to make a sequel to El Topo, but who knows? I don't know. I mean, that would be very odd. I mean, I think what made El Topo so great is that it came out in the 70s, and that was the mood, I think. Like, that's what people were liking. I mean, it was a midnight movie, like, sensation. But I don't think I really know anyone these days who actually know that movie. Yeah. So none of, none of the, the Twitter fans of Santa Sangre chimed in about El Topo? None of them mentioned that, but they mentioned the documentary of uh, Santa Sangre, and I was like, okay, I'll check that out. I I was sort of taken aback when searching for a place to watch this movie now that it's being marketed as Holy Blood in English. I'd never seen that before. I don't know when that started, but I guess whoever's distributing it now is doing that to try to gain a, more of an audience or whatever. Yeah. I'd never, ever heard it called Holy Blood. You know. See, luckily, I didn't watch that on Tubi. I, I am shocked that I found it, but it was actually on Blu-ray at my library. And I was like, oh, what? Oh, cool. Like, all right. I'm sure, that's a, I'm sure you saw a better quality. <laughs> Probably and no commercial breaks. That's right. Yeah, that's true. It's not fun because the commercial breaks suddenly like snap you back into like regular reality, and you're like, and now we're having a commercial about mops. Well, yeah, I I don't know if commercials are regular reality either. They're just a different kind of nightmare. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> but you're thrown out. You're thrown. This is a movie I feel like you can't be tossed out of even for like a couple minutes or you're going to lose the vibe. I don't know. Yeah. Do you feel the same way? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you've seen this, obviously. How many times have you seen this? Uh, probably four or five times, I'd say. So the commercials probably guess. didn't bother you. No, because I, I mean, I hadn't seen it in a while, but uh, yeah. Uh, I mean, commercials always bother me. That's the <laughs> truth there, right there, here. Yeah, there's there's nothing. I wish nothing was interrupted by commercials. But I feel like they've just gotten more and more idiotic as life goes on. Really? I think they've always been the same thing. Maybe. <laughs> maybe as a kid you just don't realize how idiotic they are. I, I don't know. 
<laughs> but like these days, like I see a lot of those commercials, like, oh my God, it just drives me crazy where you have like insurance people trying to do like TikTok style ads. And it's like, why? Why are you doing this oh, to I'm us? Sure, yeah. It's for the kids. Because they need insurance. <laughs> well, they will. Eventually. Yeah. <laughs> They're, they're, they're customers to be. One day. Uh, yep. Yeah, I'm pretty sure, I mean, this time, uh, my, I definitely had the feeling that the mother did not survive that, you know, getting her arms cut off. I, yeah, I mean. I think she was dead. I feel like you, you know, I'm not a doctor, clearly, but I feel like you'd bleed the fuck out. But yeah. I don't know. I've never met yeah, anyone well, with their what, arms cut off, so. So what happens is, I mean, if, and this is sort of like a, a, a fool's errand, but if you were going to try to reconstruct, like, describe the plot or, like, the narrative of this movie, so so what, what sets Phoenix on uh, his sort of serial killer you know, whatever quest or journey is that, uh, the, uh, the insane asylum has an outing to the movies, but instead this pimp takes them to a prostitute, the whole gang to, to a pro to a uh, fat prostitute. And while there, Phoenix sees the, sees, uh, the tattooed lady that his dad cheated on his mom with. He's definitely and that snaps him. like I would say that this is definitely like if I had to do like an elevator pitch, this is like a circus performer who has mommy issues. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Cir- <laughs> circus boy with with severe Freudian <laughs> Freudian problems. Like that that is like the shortest way you could describe it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, Sigmund Freud is all over all over this movie, you know. <laughs> Now it just I makes mean, me wonder if uh, Alejandro has issues. I don't know. Given his films, I think Ale- he does. Yeah. Well, if if you watch his last two movies, which are more explicitly autobiographical, you will see. Uh, so yeah, he he grew up in a you know with with Jewish immigrants in uh, in Chile, uh, and a, a sort of an abusive father and like a cold mother. And, uh, you know, he claims he's the product of rape, uh, things like that. Uh, and that's where the name of these movies, are they the dance of reality and endless poetry? Exactly. Yes. I'll have to find those. Yeah. You should check those out. Yeah. I think, I think those are some of his best things actually. And they, they incorporate a lot of this kind of like the usual kind of ghoulish surrealism, but it's all, uh, pinned to his actual auto autobiography, you know, his childhood. Mm-hmm. So the first, yeah, uh, Dance of Reality is about him being a little kid and uh, Endless Poetry is about when he grows up a little bit, when he's a young man. Interesting. That's what I'm hoping if he gets to make another movie, it's one that is about his life as, a, you know, maybe a middle-aged man or something. I mean, I can't judge, obviously, based off of the fact that I haven't seen those movies, but I'm not a very big fan of uh, writers or directors doing semi-autobiographical movies. Really? 
Yeah. Like what? Maybe like the what, what does that make you think? Fucked me up. Oh, I don't know. Oh, oh, oh fuck the Fakelmans. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's different. That's yeah. That's Steven Spielberg. So, who, nothing like who should that. Really, really, really stick to sharks. That's that's my take on <laughs> Steven Spielberg. But stick to sharks, interesting. <laughs> sharks and you know whatever. At worst, dinosaurs. You know, but yeah, when he when when he attempts to to talk about the human race, he he doesn't he doesn't succeed in my book, at least. Yeah. Yeah, uh, that I I wouldn't have seen that movie for like a million bucks. I saw the trailer for it. And I was like, oh fuck no, <laughs> <laughs> no thank you. It was a uh, thing where, like, I enjoyed it, but then as I stepped out of it, I was just like, yeah, that was bullshit. Yeah, I remember you, I think you were texting me or, like, maybe even on the show talking about how you were critiqued, like, that he was getting things wrong or something, which is hilarious to me because he's making a, a quasi-autobiographical movie. So. He was making himself seem a lot better. His life seemed a lot smoother. Than it was. They usually they usually do. <laughs> I mean, some of them do apparently. Some of them yeah. don't. Or either that, or they make it like exaggeratedly worse. You know, to to also, in an indirect way, to to gain whatever either credit or sympathy. But yeah, I think I told you when I was like in middle school, I did a project and you had to pick like a famous person, and I don't know why, but I picked Steven Spielberg. <laughs> So, like, mm-hmm. I learned everything I could about him back then. So. <laughs> and, and none of the facts have changed. <laughs> no, they're all still there. So, like, I was waiting for some of it to, like, show up in the film, and I was just like, this is an interesting story, but this is not his life. No, I mean, that that's not a problem for me. I, I, I mean, the important thing is to tell an interesting story. I don't really care if, how accurate it is. Because when it's marketed that way. Well, I mean, it, I don't think they marketed it directly as his life story. I mean, it's not it's not called the Spielbergs, you know. Like anytime they interviewed him and everything, he made it pretty clear that that's what he was aiming for. Yeah. I have a friend who's very obsessed with the blockbuster stuff, so. Yeah. He sent me like interviews constantly. I know that you're not on social media, but. My social media, I have a lot of friends who love these kind of films and everything, and they'll send me trailers and clips and memes and shit all over the place. So but that, yeah. the movie was a big flop, and it didn't w- even end up winning any awards. I think he won the, a Golden the Globe. Finkelman. Well, yeah, th- that's not a real award. I don't, <laughs> I don't believe in awards anymore, but I think we've discussed yeah. this. Yeah. yeah. I actually heard. Uh, I was listening to a, a different. Uh, uh, a podcast and it was mentioned that apparently he's just given up on show. He doesn't show up to any of the award shows anymore. Uh, Spielberg. Only if he knows he's going to win. I guess. Yeah. I was surprised. I thought he was, I thought they were going to give him everything. I thought it was his turn again. You know, I feel you really only get your turn once. Mm. Are there any so, people that, you know, that got their turn several times? Well, I mean, there are multiple, you know, there's Meryl Streep, Francis McDormand, uh, there's several, you know. I'll uh, say a controversial far- opinion. I think Meryl Streep is overhyped. 
<laughs> Them's fighting words. <laughs> I think a lot of people will be like, "How dare you?" But I don't know. I, I just she's a good actress, and she has a lot of range. But I wouldn't be yeah. like, "Holy shit, this is the best actress of our generation or their generation." I, she she probably you know you can make a solid argument that she was for a time, but like you know not for a little while now. Uh, you know, act, actors have their kind of. I mean, their boom or whatever big period, you know. I don't know if you call it like their sunset years or something like that, <laughs> but no, she was really she's a really good actress, and I'd say she has a lot of range. But like, she's not the actress in my opinion. Who is the actress in your opinion? You know, it is a very very hard thing to consider. I would have to say I really <laughs> do like Frances McDormand. She's amazing. Um, yeah. I don't know, name some actresses from that time. I don't know, I never really place, like, one actor as, like, you are the penultimate actor or actress. Yeah, I mean, I guess it depends on which era you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know, I, I mean, I don't know that in the in the era that, uh, that Meryl Streep was most prominent, which I would say is, like, the 80s and 90s, you know? <laughs> Uh, I don't know if there's anybody as celebrated as her, as consistently, you know, as awarded. I don't know. Okay, so I actually just looked up best actress in the world just to like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, who's who? Do, who does the who does Google think is the best act? Okay, it's Michelle Yeoh now, or we like, got Meryl Streep. She's number one. Yeah. Okay. Then we got Kate Blanchett, <laughs> Kate Winslet, Julia Roberts. Yeah, the Kates, but they're later. Yeah. Uh, we got Margot Robbie. Uh, <laughs> Helen Mirren, Judy Garland. Yeah. We're going all over the place. You got your Frances McDormand. Yeah. I'm shocked that it has Scarlett Johansson. I mean, she did pretty really? good a couple of years ago, but yeah. nothing would make me be like, God damn. Charlize Theron, I like her. Sigourney Weaver, very badass. Jodie Foster, <laughs> I love her, actually. Diane Keaton. Okay. Meh. This is too long of a list. I'm not naming them all. <laughs> So jo- Jodie Foster is the greatest actress. I would right? say that's the one that you, it sounded like the most enthusiasm, at least in the way you pronounced it. <laughs> yeah, you know, I would say that I was a little uh, upset to see that uh, Viola Davis wasn't on the list. I really like her. Yeah, well, see, yeah, Google's racist. So yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we've just found out we're 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 canceling Google. I mean, I have canceled Google, but in my life, for the most part. I don't use it, but <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, there are a lot of women of color who I think were amazing. I, I don't know. I was pissed to see whatever. I like Angela Bassett too. I think she's great in everything she does. Yeah, I mean, those are those. Viola Davis and Angela Bassett are very highly celebrated actresses. Apparently, not in, according in their to time. Google. Well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, they were they were pushing Halle Berry pretty hard for a while. Uh, I never saw it with her. Yeah, I don't know. I I, she was good in movies. Uh, I not everything, but maybe I didn't see enough with her in it. Did she win the? Did she, she win the Oscar for, the, for something? I just don't. Yeah, remember. for yeah the 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 one the one with Billy Bob Thornton where she she's she's an abused woman. It's like a crime movie. Kind of feels like if you're an abused woman, you almost always get the Oscar for that. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
Well, I, I, I got into trouble with like a female friend of mine for uh, throwing shade and, and th- Charlize Theron for, for Monster. Because I, I don't like Monster. I, I think it's, I don't know, it's overdone. And it, I think it's it's sort of, uh, it's... Uh, I'm not quite sure it's a very accurate portrayal. And I, I think it's pretty... Are, are you an expert on Eileen Warnos as well? Since, no. Since, since you love your serial killers? <laughs> it's because, you know, the one person who dropped out of our podcast uh, was really into her. And a lot of people on Twitter, like, consistently discuss her, and they're like, she was not a serial killer. It was all in self-defense. Oh. And it's, like, oh, intriguing argument. Like it was justified? Yeah. Yeah, k- k- kind of like Phoenix, you could argue, in, the, in, in Santa Sangre. <laughs> he was just avenging. He was avenging all the, uh, the people that had wronged his family, right? Exactly. I mean, at least that was clearly the way it was portrayed that he saw it, you know? <laughs> Okay, let's see what Halle Berry won her Oscar for. Monsters Ball? I haven't seen yeah, that. Mo- yeah, Monsters Ball with uh, Billy Bob Thornton. Yeah. Right. But it's it's this thing uh, when they make uh, an actress that's known for being beautiful and they put a bunch of makeup on them to make them ugly. Yeah. And uh, I can't they call that. that acting. I mean, to. Uh, in in a similar, I mean, it's sort of what uh, you know. I would say, what, uh, I guess Brendan Fraser kind of did. Exactly, I was just about to say your childhood crush, George of the Jungle, in a fat suit. You know, like okay, he will always be George of the Jungle to me. Let's just remember right. that. <laughs> I know, I know he will be. I'm, I'm not gonna. I will, I will never uh, cast aspersions at, at your <laughs> your first love. No. Uh, no, but yeah, it's, it's gimmick. The, the word I was looking for is it's a gimmick. Yeah. Uh, and I don't like that, that whatever, the mainstream award system or whatever uh, considers that like have serious work. Isn't that just like Oscar bait right there? Yeah. Yeah, it's Oscar bait. Yeah. Like, look uh, at I, their transformation. I, 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 like Christian Bale. I think Charles, was, was it the mechanic or something? Well, well, no, Christian Bale is full on method. He does that, transforms himself for like all his roles. Yeah, he, the mechanic did, wasn't done for the Oscars. <laughs> no. The mechanic is fucked up. But anytime <laughs> anyone talks about that film to me, they're like, look at how he looks. And it's like, Okay, I need to see the movie, though. I saw it. It was a very interesting film. Uh, I'm not sure if it was my kind of movie. It wasn't my kind of movie. I, I, actually, I mean, I think he's a great actor, but, like, yeah, he, he took it too far in that for, for no... I didn't see the, the reason, you know, for... I don't think it was justified, all that suffering. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think just but yeah, it was definitely a portrayal that, of... Like, the more they torture themselves, the more like heavy their performance is going to be. I don't sure, know. yeah, yeah. But glopping up on a bunch of makeup on a beautiful person is not like great acting. No, in, in and of it, it can be, but it it's not enough. You know what I mean? Exactly. No, no, no. That's I how I felt agree. about. That's how I felt about Monster, and I don't think I don't think Charlize Theron is a bad actress. So I think she's pretty good, but I don't think that was. Her best performance. Totally agree. I mean, I I don't know. I just think that's a weird movie for them to have picked for her to be like the big, amazing role for her. I I don't even know why they picked her. 
the 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 I, she probably picked it herself because she wanted to be cast against type, but uh, it, which is understandable. It's like when, you know, like when Tom uh, Tom Hanks wants to play an asshole, you know, like in that horrible movie I had to review recently. Ooh, that one's or, on Peacock now, and I was just like, should I watch oof. it? No, Dimitri made it sound bad. Not going to touch it. No, no. Well, no, you should watch uh, it and then judge for yourself. I've heard I, so I, you know, many bad reviews. All the all the old people love it. It's a big hit for 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 like a grown up movie. You know, I mean, I mean, you can't you can't really make money on grown up movies these days. But I don't know if you've hit that point yet. But I've recently learned that I'm a grown up. I didn't know that yet, but <laughs> I learned it, and I was like, "Are you shitting me?" And yeah, I'm a grown up. Were you sad when you sad when you were told the news? You know what? <laughs> I wasn't quite sad as much as I was just like blown. Like what? Am I there? Yeah. <laughs> like, you don't even realize you hit that point until you do something yeah. that is entirely grown up. And then, like, right after it, you're like, fuck, that's what a grown up would do. Like, when I called yeah, like, well, kids you know, in their early 20s, kids, I was like, oh, shit, I hit that point. Well, if you look at the actuarial tables, yes, at your age, you would be considered an adult. I know. <laughs> at this at this age, I'm if sorry. you're, like, in the traditional, like, if I was not a millennial, if I was someone who's Gen X and followed uh, the rules, you know, the traditional you rules. You think of Gen society. X followed the rules? Most of you people did. You're you're an outlier, Dimitri. I know I'm an outlier, but like my whole generation just lost. We just lost every, you know, like we <laughs> just maybe small like, and forgotten, and we just lost. My siblings might have just been too. Traditional or whatever, but like I think theoretically, like I would have been married and had kids a while back. Sure. Like my kids would be like in school and I'd be bitching at teachers and everything. Yeah. No, but that's I, I think that's true of any generation. You know, most most people do whatever is is expected of them. It's not it's not like uh Millennials en masse are like renegades or something. I mean, is that what you're saying? That they're like just going their own way and being children for their whole lives? I would say that we're doing the best we can. <laughs> so you're you're a cheerleader for for your generation. <laughs> Not all of us, but I'd like to say, in general, I think we're all doing the best we can. Maybe we would have other- grown up if certain shit didn't hit. I, I don't know. I know I would have <laughs> never probably gotten into that yeah, what- area. Although there was a point in my life where, like, I didn't realize <laughs> I had a choice. And this is how, like, I don't know. I, I have slowly started describing my family as almost cult-like, you know, like oh, yeah. the Carney world. No, this yeah, this is weirdly all completely related to the themes of this movie. Yeah. All, all the stuff that we're talking about. <laughs> but, like, there was a point in my life where I was just like, yeah, yeah, I'm going to, like, grow up and I'm going to have a family right after college and I'm going to have kids. There was a point in my life where I actually said, I will not have sex before marriage. Yeah. And I was just like, whoa, I can't believe I said that out loud ever. <laughs> I even said, I, was like, you... I will never touch alcohol and I will not do drugs. <laughs> 
Were you going to church regularly at this point? I was going to church regularly until I was 17, but I want to say by the time I was like 12, I was like, please, I don't want to do this anymore. Did you have to, did you get, have a ceremony with one of those promise rings? No. Catholics don't do that. Okay, that's good. (laughs) Well, who does? We do uh, (laughs) the communion and we dress like brides basically for Jesus. It's fucking weird and creepy as shit. Yeah, you're getting yourself ready for Jesus to fuck you. I know. Oh my I know God. how I know how the Catholics do. No, the new way which is yeah, weirder. I, I have had people being like, <laughs> Oh my God, Jesus is my first love. He is my boyfriend. And I just be like, Whoa, even Jesus the Catholics. Is my I know. I'm just like, <laughs> even we don't talk about Jesus in that way. Like, goddamn girl. <laughs> yeah, when the word yeah, and, and in this movie there's lots of stuff about that. Uh there's that great scene towards the end where he uh he he sees all the all the women that he killed rising out of their graves, and they're all wearing bridal uh, brides dresses, and they're like coming for him. You know, I was also <laughs> gonna say like right in the beginning when they're trying to defend their you know church thing, and mm-hmm. then the priest is like, "I'll go and see what's up," and then he's like, "No, fuck that shit." After he and en- like enters. Yeah, 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 and he 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 make he shields the eyes of his little his uh, uh, choir boy like assistant like oh you can't I I can't let this you see the this devil this get is, out yeah that's right <laughs> <laughs> the devil's home get out of here <laughs> I would have worshipped there that sounded like a fun place yeah. You build a church to an armless uh, woman. It's more intriguing than you know blood. the Catholic shit. <laughs> Would you have worn like one of those robes with the crossed over? I love their their symbol was like these like severed arms crossed over each other. I will say I appreciate a religion that has an intriguing uniform. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. It's just one that, of those that, you that guys will... learned how to conform easily. Like good for you. That would have. That would have lured you away from Catholicism. I think I was always going to be lured away from Catholicism. I just don't think I knew better until I was like 12, 13. Are any of your uh, siblings still practicing? I think we all pretend for the sake of my parents, but I'm the only one who's ever very heavily been like, no, I don't believe in it. Yeah. But I, I do have one sibling who actually, we call him God Boy just because he really fakes it. Oh, really? Yeah. He, he is like, I think I told you at one point, like, we watched, and this is the proper season for this. When we were kids, we watched Passion of the Christ, and he cried at the end. And I made so much fun of him. Oh, yeah. And I'm the one who got in trouble. <laughs> And he was praised for crying for the loss of our Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, oh! After after uh, you watch Mel Gibson's like extremist fundamentalist Christian propaganda movie. I know the guy who hates Jews. He made a very good one about torturing and killing a Jew. Well, sure, that's. But yeah, I mean, he, that's speaking of autobiographical movies. You know, that's that's what he grew up in. Mel Gibson, his dad was like, was was a preacher in like a some some extremist cult, basically. I mean, you know, he was just paying tribute to his dad, basically. Walking Phoenix, stuff. he was raised in a cult too. You don't see him going crazy. Yeah, but they were more like a hippy dippy cult, 
they were like he was on a commune. Yeah. I mean, when yeah, uh, you know when your you, when your siblings are called like River and stuff like, yeah, it's a different. I love kind all of the cult. names that they got. Yeah. So he handed to them. That's unique, but I didn't know that about <laughs> Mel Gibson. Yeah, Mel Gibson was like from a splinter sect, Christian extremist splinter sect. So that like he didn't yeah he didn't invent the kooky uh, worldview you know it, it came to him it was passed down to him, kind of like you know the views that Phoenix uh, you know he was born in the circus and his dad. I mean, in one of the many many unforgettable scenes in this movie is when. Uh, his dad says he's gonna make him a man. Oh and he my carves, god! I was just thinking. Carves the bird. Carves the bird in his chest. Does he do he it ties like with his a knife? With a knife, yeah. Just oh. not how. I don't think anybody makes a tattoo that way. But like, it, as a scene in a movie, it's very effective. Oh, it definitely makes you be like, oh shit! And it's like this is gonna make you a man. Like what? No, you're just carving into his chest, man. Yeah, you think he's gonna take him to a whorehouse or something, given what his dad is like? But no. Was he wants to give him his inheritance that the men in the family all have, have a, have this bird uh, tattooed all over their chest, <laughs> and I mean he spends the rest of the movie as he grows up sort of reenacting his dad's life basically, oh, becoming right. his father. Mommy issues. Yeah, mommy and daddy. Both, yeah, you know, he had little daddy issues too. You know, that's why at the end he's. I mean, he's he loved crazy. his. He, I don't. Yeah, I don't think he he loved his dad. He was afraid of him, and he didn't like him. He was kind of disgusted by him. But yeah, it's it's all the Freudian shit, you know. Oh yeah, there's a bit of uh... Uh, it's 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 right in the pocket of spe- speaking of religions. Freudianism, I think, is sort of a religion. I would say also, uh, I vibe secular religion. You know, it is actually. I I just looked it up because I wasn't sure. I was just going to say he had a bit of an Oedipus complex, but apparently that's in Freudian theory. So, interesting. Oedipus? Oh, yeah. I yeah, of course. I never associated it with Freud. Oh, really? No. That's one of the, one of the tenets of Freud. Yeah. <laughs> it's one of the main things. So, I was just thinking what's, that that's what's your shrink? T- what's your shrink telling you, Jesus? Jesus Christ. <laughs> you know, we really we learn to take responsibility for our own issues. <laughs> And anytime uh, I talk to my mother, she's like, did, did you guys blame me yet? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Which I'd like to say that is highly sus because she obviously knows that there's something to be blamed. Uh-huh. Yeah, like, did you reveal it yet? And it's like, I don't know what you're expecting me to tell you, but no. But with the Mel Gibson thing, I mean, I was just going to say, like, obviously Joaquin Phoenix grew out of it. I grew out of believing any religious bullshit you think that mel gibson in the area and like career he has would have grown the fuck out of it well so, some people not. can't write they cannot like rise from the ashes like a fiend, like a bird like <laughs> like you but not like phoenix <laughs> whose name is 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 the mystical bird but he he does not succeed in that himself. <laughs> no, no. I I think that he is definitely not just the star of this movie. He he is our hero. I love him. Phoenix. Yeah. <laughs> don't act like he don't like your heart doesn't go out to him a lot. <laughs> 
My heart goes out to that poor elephant who died. Oh, my God. Yeah, that one bothered me, too. <laughs> that's really... Uh, I, hadn't, I hadn't watched this movie in a long time, and that's the that's the scene that has always stuck with me from this movie. I mean, there's many, many... I'll say there's rapes uh, and arms being chopped off and shit, but the elephant... There's all kinds me. of scenes that, that could get lodged in your head, but it's that... That poor elephant being thrown off the cliff and then with the army of, like, beggar children descending to eat his, like, putrid remains. That's that's the scene that's, that has always haunted me. <laughs> like, I had that moment where I was like, whoa, poor elephant. And then, two, do people actually eat elephants? I think, I think, I think people that don't have food will eat anything. That's... That is fair. Just flashing back to the movie Alive. Okay. Uh, yeah, I, you know. I, I, I don't think, yeah. I, I don't think that's, a, it's a huge exaggeration. <laughs> <laughs> but no, that might be because, you know, why we were more I mean, they're basically... shook by the elephant that we do see, like, crazy rapes and violence and everything in a lot of the movies we watch today. But, like, oh. the animal gets harmed, oh. and we're like, oh, no. I was attempting to watch the movie I Am Legend the other day. Oh, yeah. Because I'm going through a bit of a zombie phase. And it, I, I was, like, kind of, like, okay with it until the dog died, and I was like, I'm done. No. Yeah. Once you kill the animals, I'm just like, oh, I, I well, don't that's, like this. Uh, because, well, the thing with that is that, when the, when you, if you see like a an animal killed on screen, it's it, it's a lot less complicated, uh, like the emotions, because the animal is innocent. Yeah. The animal has clearly done nothing. Whereas with a person, at least in the context of a like a, a movie, they might have instigated it, or there's like some. Yeah, uh, you you could ju- you could find reasons to see why that they may have, if not deserved it, it's understandable why they they are they're being killed. Um, Ooh, pretty, yeah, accurate there. Yeah, uh, whereas uh, with with the elephant, there there's no reason at all, <laughs> and and the re- the animal uh, the elephant is not being killed. The animal dies. Uh, the elephant dies, and then his his parts are torn apart by. I think it is by like hungry hungry much. children. What? I think I just like animals too much. Yeah. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I don't know. Well, this is, this is the kind of thing that turns people vegetarian, but. No, see, I, I wouldn't be vegetarian. That's a fucked upness about me. Not vegetarian, but I hate it when they farm animals <laughs> yeah, in you, films. Yeah, see, you, you say you love animals, but, but look at what you've. Look what you I do. I know, look at what I fucking do. I don't know. I did actually at one point attempt to be vegan, though. That, that was a fun month. <laughs> wow, you didn't last long, huh? Uh, no, I didn't. What happened? What what broke? What broke you of it? I was invited to a barbecue. <laughs> so, like ribs or sausage? Like what? What was? The... Hey, this is Chicago. Is bratwurst? Uh huh. Yeah, and it's one of those like I you know, see. it was only a month long. I experimented with it when I was in San Francisco for a while, and then I came home. And, you know, in Chicago, we're not really vegetarians here. There's plenty of vegetarians in Chicago. Well, there are no plenty of us that exist, but I think there are far more on the West Coast. 
Oh, maybe. I don't know. I, I, I couldn't I say for sure. It's not like anyone's really done. Well, maybe someone has a census, done a census. A survey for vegetarians versus meat eaters. I don't know if anybody's done that. Uh, like not on a on a on a mass scale. I don't know. I think we now need to do a survey of who would eat the elephant if you were starving. Mm. Yeah, that's that's your next Twitter survey, I guess. Yeah. Uh, it, it, maybe it would be like, what bothered you more, Concha's rape, or the elephant being? Eaten? I don't know that. I don't know that it like. Uh, the the death of the elephant bothered me exactly. It's just the the thing that has stuck in my mind all these years. I mean, I saw this movie when it came out. I was let's see, I would have been like twenty, nineteen or twenty when this movie came out. It played at the theater that I worked at in Boston. It had a very limited release in in America because I it imagine. had it it had ratings issues. Uh, because of some of these extreme scenes, what is it rated? I think they gave it. I think they gave it an NC seventeen. I think that's the the brief window when NC seventeen was an actual thing. You know. Yeah, we gave up uh, on that shit. Well, yeah, yeah. It, it was a it was a complete failure, and yeah, it was a. Well, yeah. We'll show anything should, on film these days. Movies shouldn't have ratings at all, but. Oh, I agree. Uh, you know that that's a that's a thing that came about after. I was gonna say, aren't they like descendants of like uh, the Hayes Code? Yeah, it's, it's a newer version of the Hayes Code, but the problem like, was this that this is wholesome, and now this is from the devil. Okay. Yeah, um, the trouble with the NC seventeen, the reason the NC seventeen happened was because of the rise of porn films in theaters, and. And the, they used to have this X, you know, this X rating, and the 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 porn filmmakers adopted it as like a badge of honor, <laughs> you know, and as like a public as a as publicity. So <clears throat> the mainstream film industry tried to make this other rating that was going to be for adult films that are not pornography, and it just fell flat on its face. I would say Steven Spielberg is the one who came up with the PG thirteen. So, yeah. Oh, did he? Yeah, I forget. It's, it's, like it's another piece of bullshit. Gremlins or something? I, I don't know. Maybe Poltergeist. Maybe. I don't know. It was one of those, yeah. like, where they were going to be like, this is rated R, and he was just like, no, you could do it, like, in between. But Right, because he wanted children to come see his, his crap. But <laughs> I have, I don't know if this is an idiotic question or not, but it's because I haven't <laughs> seen any movies that were actually at the NC-17 label, because obviously that uh-huh. kind of really isn't passed around these days. What does the NC stand for? Oh, no children under seven. I think it's no children under 17. And, okay, so like rated R, you could be 17. Restricted. It's restricted. But you can no, go yeah, if your you... parents go with you. Exactly, yeah. Okay, but like NC seventeen, like nobody under seventeen allegedly is allowed in, even even with your parent, even under armored guard. I don't. It's all bullshit. <laughs> and the other thing is, how do you really enforce it? Are you going to tell me that some like sixteen year old uh, ticket taker is going to like check your ID? Okay, I was going to ask that question next <laughs> to see if you ever were ID'd before going into movie. I was. You were? Yeah, it was like it happened to me one time 
I was in high school and I was going to see super bad with my friend. Oh, and you didn't get it. You weren't allowed in to see super bad. I was 16 years old. It was so close to my 17th birthday. <laughs> Luckily though, because I have a giant Irish family, I ran into uh-huh. a cousin <laughs> who there just you go. happened to be going in and they're like, Oh, they're with us. See, yeah. See, I guess Catholicism isn't so bad after all when you need it. Yeah, you got all those <laughs> Irish cousins. I didn't even know it was my cousin. And I was like, all right, cool. This bitch could have been no, lying. I mean, Maybe she isn't. Didn't you just, like, what you do as a kid at the multiplex is you buy, you buy, you know, tickets for Bambi or whatever, and you go see Rambo. You know? <laughs> no, you know what I mean? I did do that for a while. I don't know why it didn't occur to me for that. I used to do it. I don't know if other Obviously, other people do it. Where I would actually try and see as many movies as I could that day. Oh, just stay at the, stay at the theater like all day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those days were fun. Now I don't think I, I would get bored too easily. Yeah, I think it's just because I don't like a lot of the movies that come out in theaters these days. Yeah, it. Uh, I used to do that. Um, I would go to a theater and just like yeah, go go theater like sneak into other ones afterwards. Mm-hmm. Just stay, but yeah, you get exhausted, and as we were talking about earlier, since since you're finally an adult now, you you start feeling your age, and it's just, and your attention drifts, and maybe you actually have something to do. Yeah, that's you don't productive. Have all day other than other than sitting at, at the movie theater to watch movies you don't even give a shit about. Yeah, it's like I heard this was a good one. Let me check it out. But then it's like, eh, it wasn't a good one. Yeah. But see, that era was more like when I was like. 20 years old maybe like 19 to 20 and like i would do that like thursdays for some reason were like cheaper for some reason tickets and i'd be like i'm gonna take advantage of this shit yeah i mean theater's still you know whatever the the dying movie theater industry is still trying to do like there's a lot of theaters will have like Tuesdays cheaper. Someday, you know, they, you get like half price. And they have like that, poor that Nicole Alamo Kidman draft. trying to like pedal for AMC. I mean, please come back to the theaters. Yeah, uh, but yeah, like at that Alamo Draft House, I think on Tuesdays they have like half price tickets. Um, I did really like that place. It's so sad because it's like a very heavy franchisey place, and I don't usually go all out for franchise like theaters. <laughs> but I was like, that one, going... that one got me. <laughs> so, so if if they called you, you you would do you would do the plug, I'm like this is Mallory Smart of Maudlin House here, inviting you to no no to I would Elmo do it Draft on House, her behalf of that horror cast, Dimitri. Be be prepped. <laughs> Well, maybe I'm, I'm not quite as much as a professional as I was purporting to be at the top. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not up on all my branding and all the verticals and horizontals and diagonals or whatever. <laughs> I seriously learned that branding is for shit. Like, I really did think it mattered, oh, yeah? but no, I don't think I could brand. Speaking nope. of branding, yeah, I feel like Alejandro, he, he, he definitely has a brand. Yeah? Yeah. What's his brand? Fucked up zero surrealist films. <laughs> um I fi- I mean th- yeah, the thing with yeah, Hodorovsky is I think he he really at least halfway believes some of this kind of 
this charlatan circus act that he has in a lot of his movies and the mysticism. I I think he believes it. Uh, he, I know he has a whole book. He, he does a lot with tarot, you know? I must say there definitely seems a bit of like shamanism aspects of that. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He, but he mixes up a lot of different, uh, sort of traditions of, yeah, shamanism and other kind of fringe, uh, beliefs into, into his, his, his own unique presentation. And I mean, I feel like uh, I th- it's all very provocative, everything he tries to do. But yeah, I think what, what separates him from somebody like, you know, there's, there's many, many people that traffic in this kind of stuff, but like, I mean, we've mentioned Rob Zombie before, like Rob Zombie and people like that also revel in like whatever horror and whatever they think is fucked up or like, or like Marilyn Manson or something. Those, I don't think that uh, Hodorowsky is, is trying to promote evil. You know what I mean? Oh no, I don't or, think he's doing he's it. Not reveling, he's not reveling. He's not reveling in, he doesn't think evil is cool. Like those guys. <laughs> like, I just think that's his, like, that's his baseline. <laughs> I don't. Yeah, I don't. I don't think. I don't think Khodorovsky's a creep. Exactly. Uh, or maybe it's he, like the documentary where he said he's just trying to explore what that is. I don't know. Yeah, he may be a pervert and a weirdo, but uh, he, he's not a malevolent one like like some of them are. I have to say, all the movies I've seen of his, there is usually a pretty fucked up rape um, in there. <laughs> Yeah, the, the the sex stuff is not is not going to pass muster with any any sort of uh, ratings board, or it's it's no wonder that this movie and probably all his movies are can cannot be given like you know like a wholesome rating. I'm shocked that you said that you saw it in theaters. Like, yeah. I feel like it would not be none of his films would be very like except for El Topo because it became like a cult classic. That was like it was a midnight release, like seriously only for adults. But like, I don't know. I, I wouldn't expect mainstream theaters to pick it up. Those it wasn't a mainstream theater. Okay. It was an art theater. Okay. That makes <laughs> it was more like kind of like the equivalent of the music box. Okay. Yeah. I vibe that. Yeah. No, it, it, it had a limited release. I don't think any of his movies have had a wide release in America. I think he has better, a better reception in Europe. Uh, for sure, I, and I know he. I think he may still live in. Fr- he was living in France for a long time. Mm-hmm. I think he may may live in France, uh, and that's, you know, places where there's a a tradition of of actual culture that goes back a lot longer than in this country, <laughs> and that where artists are valued, unlike this country, where they're not. <laughs> yeah, I will say he's. From Chile, he has citizenship in Chile and France currently. Right, yeah. Uh, but yeah, it, it's. I mean, it's inspiring that the guy is still going. Yeah, he's 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 gonna hit a hundred soon. I mean, he may hit a hundred. Who knows? Right. We got six years. We we gotta yeah. see where he goes. I was shocked to see Mel Brooks suddenly came back on scene. And he's ninety six. Oh, because he has a he has a new movie out. Yeah, it's a mini series, from my understanding, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. I always wonder. Like, I thought it was a joke when he did History of the World Part One, and then they were like, "In History of the World Part Two, I didn't think they were actually going to do it." Well, the whole thing is a. I mean, it's Mel Brooks, so it's always a joke of one kind or another. (laughs) 
I'm trying to decide if I'm going to watch it or not, but I did oh, see yeah. that he's in it too, and I was like, wow, 96-year-old Mel Brooks still going. Yep. I always liked him. I will say I'm a huge Mel Brooks yeah. fan. <laughs> yeah, he's okay. I like how you're like, yeah, uh, whatever. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. Who was like it's, your favorite it, director? I, th- I think it was put Dimitri in the hot seat. Oh, Jesus. When whenever anybody asks things like this kind of like listicle rating thing, my mind just goes blank. See, yeah, I know that. It just goes like blank. How you asked me about who I thought the best actress of the generation was. It was hard. <laughs> no, well, the only reason I asked that is because because you were throwing shade at Meryl Streep. Hey, I would never <laughs> throw str- shade at her. I think she's awesome, but you, I you're think cutting, she's overhyped. You were cutting. You were cutting her to pieces. Who's? I was shredding her ass. Yeah. Yeah, by by whom? So, but that that implies that somebody is more deserving. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> that somebody else, uh, another actress, is more deserving. See, I don't know. I'm not sure if there's another actress that's more deserving. I just think, yeah, I think as I said, I just think that they're like, I don't know. I just don't think she deserves the image of this like almost goddess vibe. Like anytime she walks into the Oscars, you're just like, she's gonna win. <laughs> well, she's won several times. She has, yeah. Not every, not nearly every time. I mean, she's been nominated like a billion times, but she doesn't always win. No, not always. If she did, then <laughs> she'd have like eleven Oscars or something. Right? Yeah. <laughs> like it would be like the most boring thing in the world. She'd probably just like be using them as doorstops or something. <laughs> Maybe they do. Like, what do they do with them? They put them in a closet or something and forget about them after they win. I would say, like, uh, I, you have like a trophy case with all your Golden Globes and Oscars, and then you have like I the mean, I I I do I do at home, but I don't know about yourself. <laughs> One day, when someone <laughs> actually cares about my really shitty work. Oh. If you want to like can... make me an Oscar, I'll accept it. <laughs> no, yeah, I'll, I'll make you you a Pulitzer or like a National Book Award. I don't know if I don't know what those trophies look like if they have a Do they have get an actual trophy? trophy? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know either. It's a bu- it's a fucking bookmark or something. <laughs> you know? Oh my god, that'd be the greatest thing. Just like a bookmark that says Pulitzer Here you go. Prize. <laughs> Here's your bookmark. It's made of solid gold or like it, of diamonds. <laughs> no, I like the solid gold. That sounds better. Solid gold bookmark. I would say, but yeah, that wouldn't be effective because it would just weigh weigh you down. But <laughs> <laughs> you couldn't put that in your pocket, you know, mm-hmm. your book with the solid gold bookmark in it. You know what though? It would really heavily like keep the book in its place. You know, like the pages in place. <laughs> I would appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. Just a little bit. <laughs> I saw, uh, I, I have to, uh, I re- re- wrote a review of this new exhibit at the Newberry Library. They have this, it's a pretty cool exhibit about uh, pop-up books, like through the ages. Ooh. Like, it's really cool. You should check it out. But uh, it goes back like, um, like almost a thousand years, like almost, you know, to the beginning of the printing press. With like sort of hidden images, little doorways, all kinds of stuff. But one of the things in the there was this very primitive, very ancient bookmark. 
and it's like a string with this dial, and you can turn the dial so you can keep track of like which line on the page you were reading last. Yeah. It's 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 really elaborate. I love the Newberry. <laughs> I think I actually stole my badge for it somewhere, like the card that you scan to get in. Oh well, I've I've never I've never gone and looked in the stat in, in you know I've never actually. Oh, you've never looked. like been able to go up to the archives. No. Oh. No. Yeah, I still I've never one. gone up there. <laughs> Somewhere. No, but the show is on the ground floor, and you don't need to scan anything. You, it's it's free to enter. It's it's worth seeing. That's pretty cool. Yeah, uh, but it's not a gold book, bookmark, but one with a, a turning dial. Um, I know that when I was there, we actually we had a brief exhibit for the work that we were doing, and it was all about. Um, Chicago uh, literature about the labor movement, and I actually found an old uh, magazine called Left Front Magazine that was from the John Reed Club. Uh, so I did that. Yeah, that was a fun one to find because I didn't know that there was a John Reed Club in Chicago. I'm sure there's John Reed Clubs in lots of places, but yeah. It's one of one of the very few things that uh, Warren Beatty ever did that that's that was that's worth seeing. I think. Oh, I love that is, movie. Is, is Reds? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's a great movie. Yeah. Yeah. I recommend people who aren't looking for a horror movie, but another good recommendation: watch Red. Yeah. Or Reds. <laughs> yeah. Well, watch. A it's movie. a long one too. Oh yeah, it's epic. It's like four hours long or something. But uh, yeah, it's it doesn't feel like it though. Yeah, it's about a group of people that were really tragically misguided. (laughs) (laughs) But 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 some people are inspired. I know some people get inspired by that kind of thing. (laughs) I mean, there's definitely the vibe where, like, it was very historically accurate. So I was just like, I vibe it. I vibe it. I like to see an American film that got shit right? Because obviously it, it showed the fucked up shit that happened too. Well, you know, there's... <laughs> so you think it was more accurate than the Fablemans than Spielberg did with the Fablemans? <laughs> oh, hell yes. <laughs> I, I mean, I, th- I think they should have uh, shown Emma Goldman being a little bit more pissed off. Uh, oh, yeah. You should... Speaking of it, Emma Goldman, you should definitely pick up this uh, Catherine Lacey book I'm reading. Uh, biography of X. So in it, she she has she invents a, a total alternate 20th century, in which uh, America is divided into North, West, and South territories, and there's like a, a civil there's a wall, wall that separates the South. But in it, it uh, Emma Goldman is is the uh, I think she's the governor or the senator like of of like basically of Chicago or of like the Western territories. She's like, <laughs> she plays very fast and loose with history. She sort of in, imagines her own alternate history. <laughs> and Emma Goldman plays a big role. <laughs> I am very fascinated. You said that she used to hang out at a Rainbow Club? She did. Did you know her? I, I knew, I was friends of, of friends of her. She, she, because she was, she was, uh, she lived with this writer at Jesse Ball for years. Mm-hmm. Do you know who he is? No. He, te- he teaches at SAIC, and he's got a, he's got a pretty big time literary career. 
And there were a couple for, for years, and, and then they broke up and she left a couple of years ago. But yeah, so yeah, she was, she's friends of friends. Uh, I don't, I'm not, I'm not friends with her, but I've run into her over the years. I mean, she does impress the shit out of me because she's yeah. 37 and she's written so much by this age. Yeah. Yeah. But this seems to be her big one, isn't it? Like this is her breakout book. I guess so. I mean, she's she's very well. I mean, she's very well regarded. Her other books got great reviews, and she's definitely made money off writing. You know, oh, she definitely has. But from everything I've been reading about biography of X, like this has been getting like a lot of rave reviews, and it's actually being mentioned in a lot of big publications. I suppose so. Yeah, that's that's not, you know. Speaking of ratings and whatever, like the establishment, it's that's not anything that I really know anything about. I, I I just read the synopsis of this book and it seemed interesting, and I figured it was time for me to try one of her books. And I haven't read the other ones, so. Yeah, I I haven't read anything by her yet. I have to get a biography of X still. Yeah, it's yeah. I think you'd like it. Uh, so yeah, I mean, and. Yeah, to tie back into Santa Sangre and Hodorowski and stuff, it's it's this thing of you know what what artists do with with actual history and their own biography and how they make their art out of it. There's there's such a variety of ways, and what Hodorowski does is definitely kind I of like push. That he never shies away from the darkness. No, uh, <laughs> certainly not. Uh, but he pushes into this, you know, what people kind of call surrealism or whatever, this uh, kind of fever dream psychedelic visions, you know, of mm-hmm. his movies. But they're always, almost always rooted in some sort of reality, you know what I mean? Oh, definitely. They're not – that's what kind of another thing that I was trying to contrast him with somebody like – well, I keep thinking of Rob Zombie, but there's many other ones. That kind of there's re- never a moment where I'd be like, yeah, that wouldn't happen. Like, I feel yeah. Like. There, there's these people that kind of revel in like horridness and ugliness. I don't know. And he doesn't do that. The ugliness is there because it's something that's real. And mm-hmm. he exaggerates it for dramatic effect, but it's not, it's not just from his imagination. It's not make-believe. It, it feels real. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, because you feel, because I think what he does is he nails some kind of like either psychological or emotional like underpinning of these visions. So, so whether like whether Phoenix's mother is alive or not, it sort of doesn't matter because she's alive in his mind and she haunts his mind and he can't live his life because his mother is controlling his actions the one that the mother that lives inside his head. <laughs> so what, whether she's actually out there commanding him to kill or not uh, is sort of beside the point, you know. Oh, definitely. <laughs> I mean, the you know the, the the cold hard reality is the the last scene of this movie where you you think they're going to have a happy ending, but the, the police are waiting for him. That that that's real, <laughs> you know. See, I never expected they catch a happy ending just because I know the director. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
No, but he has this one like moment of like, you know, I've waited for you my whole life to, to Al- he tells Alma, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and they're going to, they're walking off in, you know, in a, in, in a different uh, artist's hands, they'd be sailing off into the sunset, but with Hodorowski, <laughs> like they open the door and the cops are there to take him away. <laughs> well, what else can you hope for in a movie like this? Yeah, uh, so and that's and that's uh, that's real because sure you sympathize through him through this whole thing, even though he he goes on a killing spree, but you can't. You can't keep the the fantasy going and think that he can get away with it. That's that's just a wish fulfillment. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I think that's what Hodorowski doesn't let his characters off the hook the way a lot of fantasies do. You know what I mean? I think yeah, that's what I'm saying. He's always rooted in realism. Yeah. Even though it feels surreal. Yeah. Well, I think that's when we were asking before, like how I would describe like what it is, like what this movie feels like. It's, it's this, it's this weird combination of uh, make believe and and just everyday reality coexisting. Mm-hmm. And yeah, there's very few there's very few directors that can do that effectively and not just either make it completely cheesy or, or just like a, a fairy tale. Because this is like his 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 thing is not a fairy tale. <laughs> like, <laughs> it, it it was an interesting contrast. I actually had to yesterday. So yesterday when I watched this movie late at night, before it I I watched Pan's Labyrinth. Ooh, uh, I like that one. Yeah, Pan's Labyrinth. But uh, I hadn't seen that in a while. But uh, I'm I, I had to write up. Uh, I'm writing up a little capsule review preview thing for uh, Cinephile. Uh, for Pan's Labyrinth, because it's screening, uh, I think it's screening at Doc Films down at University of Chicago in a couple of weeks. Uh, but it, it's it was it was a it was it made for a really interesting double feature, because that's you know Guillermo del Toro is another one that uses a lot of kind of dream and dream imagery, but in a completely different way, you know. Mm-hmm. The feeling is completely different. Uh, it's this kind of magical, like world of like where that you escape into. And Hodorowski is kind of almost like the opposite, you know, uh, like the the horror and the imagination like lives alongside just like, you know street sweepers and like just cars <laughs> and everything else it, it lives all at once you you don't go into another reality like the the imagined reality lives right alongside everyday life mm-hmm. it's it's sort of it's unique to him i think no definitely definitely agree yeah. and now i want to watch his other movies oh you should yeah you should definitely watch these last two if i can find them I, I'm sure you can find them. Yeah, definitely yeah. not at the library this time. <laughs> no, 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 no. I, th- I think they're like he's actually got some distribution, you know, like for these, I mean, which is good. If all else, then I'm sure Amazon or Apple Podcasts. If I, I'm not Apple Podcasts, iTunes is it? What What do you call it these days? Apple TV. I don't know. I'm yeah, sure. The fright. 
Yeah. One of them has it. I'm sure. Uh, I'm sure. Yeah. One one of those conglomerates will be happy to take your money for. Oh yeah. For Hodorowski's uh, crazy visions. Well, sometimes you gotta do what you gotta do because it's really hard to. I'm not ready to pirate shit again. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I never, uh, because I came to computers late, I never got any handle on that at all. Like, so Um, were you in the, well, I mean, you were, you're too young for like, were you, you, did you do Napster or like, you did do Napster. Okay. My brother did, my brother who's a couple years older than you did. I remember him mentioning like LimeWire and like there's some other ones. And Pirate Bay, Pirate uh, Bay right. Frostwire as well. Uh, right. So they're all, all like versions of the same thing, kind of. Yeah, basically. I Torrent. Mean, they're torrents, Torrent. yeah. Yeah. Which I I don't know. Fuck Metallica for trying to ruin it. I I <laughs> I understand how it takes money away from the artist, but yeah. In some way, I never really saw the difference between doing that versus making mixtapes for people. Mm. Uh, no, I, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I'd agree with you on that, but <laughs> fuck Metallica yeah. for a lot of reasons, but uh, <laughs> they they weren't entirely wrong about this. No, uh, they weren't entirely wrong. That's why I do like that eventually, um, you know, like Spotify and Apple Music came around. Yeah, but <laughs> Spotify and Apple Music screw artists completely really badly. <laughs> True. Yeah. But it's better than not being paid at all. <laughs> pay, pay a fra- pay, getting paid a fraction of a penny. <laughs> yeah. It, it it does suck if you're not one of the big artists. Even the big artists don't really like make that money. That's why it's back to it was it's a, a very it was heavy a, merch thing. That's how they make That's what money. I mean. Merch and touring. Uh, actually one of the uh kind of like veteran musicians I interviewed on on my other podcast told me like kind of pointed this out and he, he's been uh, like a musician, you know, for decades, how it used to be that you would go uh, on tour to promote your record. And now you you put out records to promote your tour, you know, because the tour is where you actually make money. Whereas it used to be that you'd make money on records or CDs or whatever, you know, you can't make any money on that stuff anymore. You have to do it from live performance and merch at that are, that's sold at the at the concerts. I'm because, like looking through your podcast right now. Is it Mark Shippy? No. Uh, have you not posted the one that, it yet? No, no, I did. It was an older one. It's uh, Mick Collins from. Uh, he's been in a lot of bands. He's from Detroit. He had a band called the Gories that comes back together again. He's in a band called the Dirt Bombs. He's he's in a lot of different kinds of bands. And he's based in New York now. But Ooh, found it. Yeah, uh, he's an interesting guy. Uh, has a lot of opinions about stuff. Yeah, Mark Mark Shippey's in a that's a more recent one. That was an epic. That's three and a half hours. I think that's it's now the record the longest one. I just hit my longest one too. Two you did? hours. Yeah. With who? Actually, the legit uh, Kirstie McKenzie. Oh the, um, oh, the one that you just posted uh, last week. It was yeah. actually one of the things I had to really edit that shit down because it was three and a half hours. Oh, really? Yeah, and I was just like, no one's going to listen to a three and a half hour podcast. I need to... You, you know, never trim. know. You never know. And we already mentioned, like, 
at a halfway point within the <laughs> podcast where we were like, and we're going to edit out this entire, like, we're just, like, starting here. We're going to edit out. And, okay, we're going to pretend that w- that never happened. Let's kind of remember what we were saying before. Oh, but but you do you do that with with ours too. You do that with ours too. Sometimes I I know like yeah, we start start talking shit about Roxanne Gay like that shit gets cut. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I don't care about that. But sometimes I just like will cut like just to maintain for continuity and everything. But no, I'll, I'll continuity. Be we have no continuity on the show. We're against continuity. <laughs> Potentially, potentially. Yeah, I, I cut not on the my other show. I cut nothing unless the guest uh, asks for it. I've had a couple of times where people have asked things to be cut, but un, <laughs> un, unless that happens, uh, uh, I don't. I had a like a former teacher of mine from from art school. Uh, I guess he got a little too uh, relaxed and comfortable, and he talked shit about some like coworkers, and he made me cut that their names out. That was actually what we were discussing at some point in the beginning, like right before we started, because I was like, I want you to know that I will cut whatever you ask me to cut, because uh-huh. most artists, uh, writers, whoever the fuck I'm interviewing, they get very comfortable sure. with me. Yeah, yeah. So I have like a cache of uh, parts of podcasts that people did not want me to ever share. Yeah, other people call those ransom notes. That's blackmail material. <laughs> I'd like to call them receipts, you know, yeah, until I right. ever have to be like, "Hey, so you when you're an when, when when you're on their new podcast that they start, you can cash those in for whatever." Like you said, okay, this but, this is payback time. <laughs> no, I don't know why, but like she's Canadian and she was uh, discussing her experience in America for AWP. Uh huh. And we, we definitely got onto some dark humor. Oh, really? Yeah, dark humor. And then you cut it? You cut the she dark asked humor? Me too. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, too bad. Yeah, we got a little political. We got a really fucked up dark humor. I like sharing <laughs> that with people that I have a very dark sense of humor. Yeah. <laughs> and no, then I'm I, just like, all right, I'll cut it, whatever. No, I listened to that one. You guys, you guys seem to get along like you sounded like, like good friends. Yeah, I was, one. <laughs> it was really good. She was really nice. That was great. Yeah. Um, that's she, why it went three and a half hours long. That's cool. Yeah, see, yeah, I don't care, like, I don't care about length or anything. Uh, I, 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 I turn the recorder on and, and just see what happens. Uh, so the thing with Mark Shippey was also another, like, legendary musician. Uh, he just talked. I couldn't stop him. You know, he just, he had a lot to say. <laughs> That's kind of, I just sit back and listen and be like, oh, okay, yeah, I'll pop in whenever I feel like you need me to, but yeah, let's have a chill talk. Yeah, and that, I mean, that's, that's the idea for me is, you know, you, it's, I'm, I'm trying to like build an archive of, you know, voices of interesting people like that I've run into. And I rarely try to steer them into any direction. So. Yeah. Yeah, I don't like I don't like uh, the shows that are just very obviously like sort of like promotional events for their new oh, widget God, yeah. or movie or book or whatever. You know what I mean? That's why I always say like I don't know if this is actually true about my podcast, but I just want people to get to know 
who the writer is. Yeah. I don't know if my if I actually succeed in that or not, but it's like, I don't know. I, I'd rather you talk about you than just, you know, doing promo for your work. Right. And, and I think I will be talking about me maybe on your show sometime. I, say, I have <laughs> Wait, your It's in the playlist. works. <laughs> I had to take a screenshot because I don't have uh, Apple Music. Oh, you don't have Apple Music? Yeah, I was going to say, I didn't know if you had it or not, but yeah, I don't, I don't have Spotify anymore. So, That's but you okay. can, you, you can, I'm sure you can find all those things on, on Spotify, you know? I actually made a you made one? playlist called Dimitri's Playlist. And oh, thank you. Music. Yeah. I was going to suggest that, but I didn't know if you had Apple Music or not. Uh, I did briefly. They had a three They had a promo thing? Yeah. Yeah. And you know what? You just barely missed it because it just ended. <laughs> No, but I'm, I mean, like we're, t- we're talking before about, you know, torrent or streaming or whatever, like I'm totally into paying, even though I know like Apple music and Spotify doesn't compensate artists. Well, uh, I'm absolutely for paying for those services oh, because, definitely. because at least, at least uh, morally, I can at least say that I did what, what I was asked to, you know what I mean? And I also personally don't, I mean, as a consumer of music, I buy records a lot. I buy I buy directly from musicians Same all the here. time. So personally, I don't feel bad about using services like that. It's sort of the modern equivalent of the radio, you know? I would say that I'm really uh, big into records, and I go to their concerts a lot. Yeah. So, but I'm excited for your episode, though, because there are a lot of bands here that I don't know. Yeah, you. I, I, tried, I try to uh, kind of like... A little bit like like we do for the this 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 show with the movie show. I've I have told people that I was I know where you're going with this. I want people to stump me with music. Exactly. Yeah. I wanted to come up with some stuff that you may not have come across. Yeah. Uh, and it's not like I mean in the grand scheme of things, it's it's not the most obscure stuff ever, but it's not it's not the stuff that you like any that Spotify, come across Spotify really. algorithm, whatever recommend to you. <laughs> Let's put no. it that way. But we'll we'll get into that when when that when we do that that show whenever that is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, and yeah, I, I I feel it's it's definitely my mission to to, uh, to kind of recommend things that have been overlooked, like like Alejandro Hodorowsky, who. I mean, you know, in in my whatever Hall of Fame or like Oscars or whatever, like he'd be nominated for things, but he never will be. Like he's not going to win any awards, mainstream awards. He wins awards in like weird fringe festivals, but not in not in mainstream venues. You know yeah, what I mean? That's why I don't give a fuck about award shows anymore. Yeah, awards are great if you win one. If you but if you don't win one, they don't matter. That's how I feel. You know, like it just does not matter. <laughs> It's a bragging right more than anything, but I feel like because a, there are so many different. It's a market. We're shows. talking, yeah, we're talking about branding before. It's a thing you can slap on on your book or your movie or like you know, say like Oprah selects your book for the book club. That's a huge. I mean, apparently it's still. I think TikTok is nipping at its heels with the book talk. But if Oprah picks your book, you sell like thousands and thousands of copies automatically. You know what I mean? Definitely. That's real. Like, it doesn't matter what you think or of Oprah, what have you, like, that will get you sales. Uh, like, it's a, 
it's it's uh, you can book it. You know what I mean? There's okay. very few things in the lit world that will actually guarantee sales, and Oprah would. You know. <laughs> so for our next movie, I wanted to do The Fly. Now I'm going to leave it between two movies for you because I don't oh. know if you're going to find the other one really cheesy, but I really enjoyed both of them. The Fly or Knock at the Cabin? Uh, no, no. Uh, I, I, you don't I, like I, M. Night I Shyamalan? Shyamalama Ding Dong's not my bag. <laughs> <laughs> He's a okay. cheese ball. Yeah, I won't. Uh, I'd, I'd, you should do if you really want to do that one. You should do uh, what, what was that guy's name? Oh, that you I've did heavily the... discussed it with a lot of other people. Uh, I just wanted to Wilson, know your opinion. No, no, I'm I'm not going to give it a fair. Sh- I, I I'll tell you, I'm not. I haven't seen it, and I don't want to see it. <laughs> uh, um, yeah, yeah. His I'm I'm not into his shtick at all. Like, we'll go with the fly. Uh, I mean, I was Sounds the only good. thing I was going to counter propose to the fly is doing both the original and, and the remake. Ooh. But, I'd Would be you be into that? Because uh, they're very, very different. They're both really worthwhile. Uh, Let me see where I can find the original, because I just watched the Cronenberg uh, one. I bet you can find it. Let's I, see where it is. This is why Google is fun. <laughs> it is also on HBO. Okay. Oh, it is? I'm HBO? Good. All right. So we got them both. You want to do that? Yeah, do the, let's do The two both. flies? Kind of like, yeah. That's cool. Yeah, that's just going to be the name of it now, The Flies. The Flies, yeah. Yeah, they're very, very different. Uh, yeah. I haven't seen that one, so yeah. yeah. Oh, you haven't? Okay. Oh, you'll no. enjoy it, I think. I mean, it's a more of like an old school monster movie, like from the era of like, yeah, when, yeah, from the old monster movie days. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, Creature from the Black Lagoon time or Tarantula or like it's one of those kinds of movies. It's a mad scientist movie, obviously. I mean, you know the plot of it, but... Is he as mad as, you know, Brundlefly? Uh, uh, it, it's... I'll, I'll be curious. It, it's been many, many years since I've seen the original Fly. Uh, okay. what, 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 what brought the Cronenberg one on your radar all of a sudden? I mean, because you mentioned it like a week or two ago. So I was looking for horror movies because I was just like, I'm in the mood, and that showed up, and I was like, I do like Jeff Goldblum. Yeah. Yeah, and we've we've had Jeff Goldblum. Well, in the Body Snatchers, uh, is that the only Jeff Goldblum featured movie we've done? Probably. Probably, and we've also done Cronenberg before. Yeah, we did Dead Ringers. So this is a. Let's see. Uh, is are there any other repeat directories? I mean, we've done two uh, two Stephen Kings, but different directors, because we did The Shining and The Mist. Uh, have we double dipped on any director before? I can't remember. Oh, you know, what? I think we did multiple Wes Cravens. Oh, right, because yeah, because we did uh, Nightmare on Two Elm Street and, 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 and Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah, so three. Well, yeah, yeah, Wes Craven didn't. Oh, make the, he didn't do the new one. Yeah, yeah, he didn't or do the new one. The Actually, one. yeah, uh, yeah. I'm just gonna go check it out. He created. He created the scream thing, but. Or co-created it with the, what's the guy Kevin, Kevin Williamson. Williamson, right? Uh, but yeah, no, it's just, I'm just it's just that that's just trivia. That doesn't it doesn't matter. We it's not like we have a, a running tally that we have to only do one by each director. So yeah, we we yeah we've dipped into a couple of people more than once. But so this will be the second time with Cronenberg. I mean, yep. 
I mean, obviously, we're doing a horror movie podcast. We we can just dedicate half the whole fucking show to Cronenberg if we wanted to easily. Oh, <laughs> but, yeah. And that would be an enjoyable show, but... Uh, and that, I like that Cronenberg actually has a cameo. Oh, does he show up in it? Yeah, he's the gynecologist, you know, when she's considering doing the abortion. It's yeah, it's it's been a while. So I'm I'm happy I'm I'll be happy to revisit both of them now. So that's exciting. Hey, I know what I'm doing tonight now. Oh, you you're going to you're going to watch you're going to watch the old one tonight? Yep. Sweet. 